we set out on a mission to really understand as we started this series the importance, all right, the importance of having uh, having a, a, a grip and a, on our finances to kind of being unstrapped when it comes to our resources, making sure that we are able to honor God financially. And I'll just give you this question as we move forward in the last week of this series, and that is this. Have you, are, have you made a determination that you are too strapped to care financially for others? Or is it possible that you have crossed that line in this series and said, you know what? I'm, I'm not really too strapped. I, I think I am, but I'm not. And, and it's not appropriate for me as a believer in Christ, those of you who are believers, to put off caring about others financially. It is appropriate to start honoring God now and the kingdom of God now and the work of the church now, not 5, 10, 20 years later when your ship comes in. All right, it's to say, okay, it's, it's going to actually, uh, I'm going to be obedient to what God's word says, and I'm going to start doing it right away. And so we've been dealing with that question and kind of uh, really processing uh, little reminders about what the believers are called to do in God's word. I, I have shared several times in this series some dialogue from, from Paul to Timothy, and I said to you in this series, you know, that Paul's raising up Timothy to do great things in the ministry. And here's another occasion, Paul talking about Timothy and his character and his nature. Here's what it says in Philippians 2 and verse 20. Uh, He says this, truthfully, he says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. Okay, Paul says, now there's a lot of people who say they're followers, right? But there's nobody, it seems like, Timothy. Here's what it says, verse 21. All of the others, they only, they only care for who? Who do they only care for? Themselves. Not, what, not for what matters to Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, my goodness, you know, we live in a time where, where you know, people are saying they, they want to follow, but, but, but they only seem to be in it for themselves. And fast forward to the year 2022, and we sit in a church on the weekends with people who say, I'm a believer, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. But how many are actually caring about others? Paul is saying, it seems like when I look at Timothy, it's a rare occasion. How sad is that, that even today, and probably even more so today, that when we look around a gathering of believers, there's so many of them that Really, their focus in a lot of what they're doing in the church and in the kingdom of God still has this tie or connection to what's in it for me, right? If I start talking to you about serving and giving and and trusting God financially with your resources, there's a part of us that says, well, well, what's in it for me? And how much is this going to cost me? And how can I benefit from this giving sort of thing? And we're making it about us. We're making about ourselves, and Paul is saying, but here's something special about Timothy. It's not about him. He's paying deep attention to Jesus Christ and how Jesus sees others and the needs of others, and I'll be honest. For me, this is easy to drift into, right? If you've been a believer a while, it's real easy to drift into me. What's in it for me, and what can I get out of this 
time in church? And what can I get? And what about me? And make it all about me. And it's very easy, as you know, I know this, to drift and to slip into that mode versus having this right mindset that says, you know what, I'm getting outside of myself, right? We talked about in this series, no longer being a consumer, but crossing that line to actually being a contributor in the faith. It is one thing for all of us to gather like Paul is talking about this with Timothy. It's one thing for all of us to gather and say, I'm a Christian. It's another to actually do it. Here's what I wrote in your notes. If you're taking notes, you can fill these out here. It says, to say that you care and to not act is to actually, it's to not care at all. It's to say, you know, I feel like it's like a talk, 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 talk. Oh, I, talk, I, I care for others. I'm a Christian. Look at me. I care. It's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to do it. I was growing up. I heard this phrase. You probably heard it as well. My daddy told me this. He said, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? Yeah. That's what we're talking about here. It's like, okay, you say you care about others, but, but by your actions, your actions really show that you care for others. And there's a word in the scripture that we see used, especially as Jesus models it, that really reflects the calling of the believer in Christ and what we ought to be doing. And the word in the scriptures, it's a word called compassion. And the word compassion, is a, it's a big deal. The word compassion is, is we, see, we see Jesus tell us about his compassion. There's a, a special nature to that word. Anytime you see the word compassion in the scriptures, and especially as we look at how Jesus operated, that word compassion comes from this Greek word that's, that's pronounced spagli zomehi, which means in the Greek, to not just be filled with compassion as we might think about it on the surface here in America, we might think, well, compassion is just feeling, feeling a hurt for others. No, no, no. The word compassion in the scriptures, as we break it down, what we understand is it means I am so moved on the inside that not only do I hurt, not only do I feel for your situation, but I do something about it. I take the step and put my words into action. This is what the believer is called to do. I hear it. I see it. I'm talking about it. I'm going to actually go beyond just talking three times uh, uh, that we see uh, uh, that I just want to show you in our time together in the scriptures where this word compassion is used to talk about Jesus. Let's look at one of them, Matthew 14 and verse 14. When Jesus, when Jesus landed, all right, so he was on a plane and he would fly from no, no, he's on a boat, actually. And he landed. When he landed at the next place, here's what it says. Uh, he saw a large crowd, and he, what did he have? He had what? Compassion on them. He takes the step here, and he does what? He healed their sick. Now, Matthew 20 and verse 34. Jesus had compassion on them. So what does he do? He takes the step. He touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight. And follow him, Mark 6, 33. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. So what did he do? What step did he take? Action step. He began teaching them many things. The action step. And here's the interesting thing about our faith. And you know this is true as I share it with you. It's not in your notes, but I, I wrote this down in my notes. The thing about our faith is this. Every time we take the action step, we encounter more of God. 
And every time we encounter more of God, we want to take another action step. I, I wrote it down in my notes like, like this. The closer I get to Jesus, the more I want to care for the things that Jesus cares about. And the more I care about the things that Jesus cares about, the closer I become to Jesus. As a snowball effect, step, response, step, response, right? But there's, there's a negative or a converse uh, to the, all of this as well that some of you experience. Maybe you're experiencing right now in the sense of your connectivity with God. And the opposite is this. The farther I get from Christ, the farther I get from what matters to him the most, and the more I get away from what matters to God the most, the more I get focused on myself, and the more I focus on myself, the less I care for others, which is the thing that God cares about, and the less I care for others, the less I feel connected in that relationship with him. It all kind of works. That's why in this series, I have wanted you to take steps, not just because the Bible tells us so, and, and that's important, <laughs> but I've wanted you to take these steps because I know there's some response that comes with that in your life. And that response is that you'll encounter your God more and more. And as your pastor, I want that for you. You should want your pastor to want that for you. Pastor, how can I encounter God more? I've been sharing with you in this series steps for you to take. There's a great parable in the scriptures that Jesus tells a little story about the good Samaritan. Many of you have heard about the good Samaritan, and it's a powerful story revealing to us who look at Jesus' life as a model for you and I, powerful story about how to view others, how to care about others. And it happens, actually, let me give you a little backstory. It happens in this occasion where there's this little religious leader, sort of religious kind of guru guy, and uh, he's challenging Jesus with these little comments and things that he's saying. It's never a good idea to challenge Jesus. You're going to lose that every time. But, you know, he's kind of doing this little back and forth here, and he's, like, uh, asking questions. You know, maybe he's trying to trip him up or trying to corner him or something like that. He says, well, Jesus, why don't you tell us what I must do to be saved? Jesus responds with a question. Well, why don't you tell me what the scriptures say? And the guy responds. He says, well, I'll tell you, Jesus, what the scriptures say. The law tells us that you ought to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and that you should love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus responds, and he says, you, you, you've, you've said it right. Go and do that. Like, I love the simplicity of that. If you've been around our church long enough, you know that I love that. Here, here's what, right here, just in this moment, Jesus says, go and do that. In other words, he says, I'll tell you what, why don't you spend your life loving God with everything and loving your neighbor as yourself, and that'll keep you busy for about 70 years. In fact, I would say to you right now, if you've mastered that, could you come tell me? Because I haven't. I don't always get this right. So that's enough right there for you and I to stay very busy in our work and our walk with God. But their little bantering kind of goes on and now he says, uh, well, let me challenge Jesus again. Well, I'll tell you what, Jesus, who is our neighbor then? Who, who what constitutes a neighbor, right? Because it could be a lot of things. I mean, it could, could it be that it's, that it's uh, the person that is next to you in school, has a desk next to you? Is that your neighbor? Is it 
possible that your neighbor is a coworker in the office there? Is that possibly a neighbor? Is it possible that your neighbor is a person that you're in line with at Starbucks also getting a $5 coffee? Is it possible that that is your neighbor? Is it possible that it's just your next door neighbor? And so it's a good question. It is a good question. And then the good Samaritan story that Jesus tells is born out of this question, who's my neighbor? Jesus begins to reveal some truth about the neighbor situation. And so he busts into this story and he starts it out. He goes, here's a little story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer who barely kept his... No, it's a different story, actually. Sorry, it's a different one. And here's how he starts it out. He says, all right, you want to know who your neighbor is? He says this, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. He's telling a story about a Jewish man who had been on this journey to Jericho. Just so you know, Jericho is about a 17-mile journey. Uh, it's not an easy journey. You know, these roads are not going to be much, and sometimes they're going to go in high elevations, and there's going to be sharp cliffs. And to top it off, it was very notorious as a segment, a stretch, where robbers would hide out behind rocks and jump, you know, and take your stuff and rob you and beat you. And so he's, he's telling a story about a, a very problematic journey that somebody's uh, taking, and it would be the equivalent for you here in the year 2022. Uh, you get all dressed up. You got your fancy pants on. You know, you got your jeans on, whatever it is. You got your iPhone, and you're going to head out. You got your new car. Your car looks great. You got a really nice car. In fact, you got a car with the spinny rims. You know, it's like really big time, you know, and, and you head out down the road, and you head to a place, and all of a sudden, you know, these folks kind of jump out, stop your car, get you out of the car, beat you, take your clothes, take your jeans, leave you half dead. They grab your iPhone, they're out. Jesus is sharing a little story about this situation. And then, of course, there's going to be some great news. Two religious people are going to walk by and see the man. They're hurting and beaten on the side of the road. That's great New, actually, no, it's not. And this is what it says in verse 31. A priest, pastor, holy roller guy. He happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man hurting on the side of the road, look, he passed by, he, went, he made his way around the other side and just kept going. Wow. I mean, that seems like that's a guy that talks a big talk, Right? But when the moment came to put the actions down, to put the, put the words in actions, he, he didn't do it. But I think it's so easy to judge the priest here, and, and maybe we should, but I'm just saying, like, like we've all done this. Let, let's be honest about it. We've all had a moment where, uh, whatever it is, like, we, we, we left work, and, and it was a long day, or maybe it's the end of work. It's a long week. You're tired, and you got... You, you got a place to go. It's the end of the week. Maybe you're going to have a, a dinner, just you and your spouse. And she's looking forward to it. You're looking forward to it, whatever. And you're going to leave. And you're late. You're late. You left the office late. You just want to get to that dinner and just end the day or end the week and something very quiet. And you're driving by and there's somebody on the side of the road. They just need your help. And what do we do? We, a lot of times we just, like, I'm too busy. I got other things going on. I'm just going to drive right on by. I've done it. You've done it. We've all we've all been in that moment, and you know if you 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 know you should. But gosh, I get the 
dinner, if I don't show up, I mean, she could be violent, honestly, if we don't go to this. No, no, but like, whatever it is, it's okay, we gotta, we gotta just keep on moving. I think it's so easy to judge. And then what we do is we, we rationalize it. Well, you know, if that person got beat up, they probably deserved it. You know, because they probably had like some gambling debt and somebody was coming for their money. You know, money is probably that, you know. So it's just this extra little reason to just kind of keep on going here in this moment. Now, another religious man, here we go, verse 32. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. We're 0 for 2 here. And I just put this in my notes. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. I, I put this in my notes. Say, look, 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 for all of us, we're always going to have an excuse to justify not getting involved. We, we, we all will. Amen. We're all going to have, it's so, it's so easy for me, for, for you, as I, I've been talking about in this series. I've been talking about, hey, let's not pass by the people who are in need uh, in our community. Let's be involved in honoring God financially. And I think it's so easy for you to say, well, like I got, I got this going on and I got an excuse. It's so easy. Some of you have been dealing with that right now. Like you haven't made a step that I ask you to make in this series because it's just been one little excuse after another. Amen. We push past that. Because we understand, and I want to share what I shared with you at the very beginning uh, of our time together, which is this, to say that we care, but to not act, is actually to not care at all. Amen. And so I'll share with you three things as we close out our, our series that you, you need to remember, and I, I hope this is my last chance to really encourage you to take a step in this series, but here's the first thing I put in your notes and I think about the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm kind of interrupting it here because we're 0 for 2, but there is a third person that's gonna pass by, but I, I wrote this down in my notes. If you're gonna, especially because we're talking about finances, you're gonna financially care for others, it will always seem inconvenient or interrupting. In other words, gosh, anytime anybody needs your help, whether it's with time, talent, or treasure, it's never, let's be honest, it's never convenient. I mean, you're not like sitting at home, you know, like, oh, I had copious amounts of time. I'm just sitting here. Uh, let, let's, just, let's just go help everybody. You know, it's, it's easy. Let's easy to say, oh, we're just gonna, gonna uh, help somebody financially. It's always a little bit of some sort of inconvenience or interruption that comes with caring for others. But you've got to keep in mind, all divine moments, when God asks you to step up and care about others, it will never, it will never be convenient. But because it will never be convenient, it will always be, if you'll respond, it'll always be an opportunity for you to encounter him more. Look, there is nothing great that happens in your encounters with God and comfortability. It's always going to be an occasion where God's stretching you to get out of a comfort zone. And that's by faith. That's when you start to encounter him more. So you got to get over this thing that says, oh, it's inconvenient. It's not in my schedule. It's not have time. You know, I push past that and say, my goodness, you know what? That's an excuse, but I'm, I know it's going to be an interruption, but I'm going to still do something about it. Here's what it says in verse 33 as we talk about finally the third person that comes by. But a Samaritan as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took, here's what it says, he took what? He took 
pity on him. That also comes from that very same Greek root word that we get compassion from that says, from with the bowels and the depths of inside of me, from that location, I see the situation and I want to actually do something about it and so I, I will. And this is a big deal. You, you need to understand the Samar- Jesus telling a story of a Samaritan stopping to help a Jew is a big deal because during that time, a Jew would never stop for a Samaritan. They did not want to associate with them. They were like kind of like a mutt, you know? They was like, okay, we don't, they're not one of us. They're not like where they need to be. They're not a people we talk to, connect with, touch, anything. We don't do anything with them. So if anybody had an excuse to say, I'm not going to associate with you, it would be the Samaritan because he would look at the Jew and say, I know if I was on the side of the road, you wouldn't stop for me. But the Samaritan pushes past the excuse and says, I'm going to do something about the situation. Verse 34, he went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and then he put the man on his donkey, took him to the inn, and took care of him. Now, I see the situation, I'm going to help him, and I love what we're going to see develop in this. We're going to see time, talent, and treasure utilized here. Stop and give him my time. I'm going to serve, and I'm going to start using my resources. I got some bandages, some oil, some of my stuff. Got my donkey. I'm going to carry this man to wherever he needs to be carried. I am going to do what I need to do. And again, this development of time, talent, and treasure. I think we have some people here in our church, and you serve. We have, we have amazing servants in this church, and there are some within that group that serve who say, I serve, right, but I, 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 don't, I don't tithe, or I don't honor God financially. I'll just serve my way through the fact that I cannot honor God financially. That is not anywhere in the scriptures. We are called to do both, or all of it, honor God with time, talent, and treasure, not one to try to make up, let's play the makeup game and, and make up for the other. It, it, it's, we do it with all of it. There are some people in our church that honor God financially but are not willing to serve. Same thing. We're called time, talent, and treasure. And this man is going to get involved. And he's going to get involved. He's going to say, it's one thing for me to see it and say it, but it's another thing for me to actually do it. And I've had occasions where, again, I've gotten this right. And I've gotten it wrong. I can tell you, and maybe you know this yourself, when I have gotten it right, I felt something inside when I was done. It felt right. It felt good to do it. I think there's a little bit of a feeling as we get older, a little bit of a sleaze we can begin to feel, but I'm taking all the time, right? Just take, 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 take in life, being so selfish that you take. And then there's an a completely opposite reaction when we become a giver. There's some sort of feeling, and maybe you'd say it's inexplicable, but I know I feel that, right? At Christmas time, when you're, when, when you're uh, involved with all these gifts that are going on, right? When you're a kid, you're receiving gifts, but there is nothing that compares to giving a gift and watching somebody's eyes open up when you know you gave them something very important. There's a feeling that's very different on the inside when you are a giver. Again, it seems inexplicable, but it's actually not. God put that inside of every human being. God put within your DNA a feeling or a sense or a love to give. 
to get outside of yourself. We know it's in your DNA because our God is a giver because he gave the highest price, his one and only son, Jesus Christ, for you. And you, in turn, have that same sort of DNA inside of you. And when you decide to give of your time, talent, and treasure, that thing you feel is a thing that God put in there. And so it is explicable. You are presented in this series with an opportunity to say that you care. Will you push past the excuses and take the step? Here's the second thing I wrote in your notes. It, it, it will feel like in the moment that it's costing you. If I start to give and honor God financially, I remember the first time I did it on the surface, it feels like this costs me. And I'll be honest about that. You'll, you'll feel that. Now, the, the residual and the way you get used to this and the way you discover it as you get a little bit older, you, you begin to push past some of those thoughts that it's costing you and you realize that it's going to cost me not to do it, to honor God financially. But on the surface, it feels like it does. But there is always a, there's a movement of your resources from you being the one large and in charge as far as uh, hey, I did all this, I made all this money, look what I did, and saying, no, God, you did it all, and I'm gonna honor you in return with a tenth, like, that's, that's a big deal, and, and God calls the believers to step up and be a part of that. Let's look at our Samaritan here in Luke 10, 35. It says this, the next day, the Samaritan, he took out two silver coins. I'll pause there. Two silver coins is the equivalent of two days' work. Two out of six days work, right? They would work six and take one off. Two out of six, that's a third of his weekly resources here. He's saying, I'm gonna use to help others. It would have been, if Jesus is telling the story, this, I mean, this is, a, this is extravagant. This is caring at an extravagant level. We're called to just at 10% is just a 10th is of our income to return to caring for others to the storehouse. This is somebody going now, uh, way above and beyond to care for somebody else. Jesus is giving us this portrait. And so he took the two coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. He said, look after him. When I return, look, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you have. Like, I'll, on my way back through, I'll, I'll take care of any above and beyond expenses in the way that you cared for him. It's so easy for us to say, well, I'll drop him off here at the end. I did my part, now you go do your part. But again, in compassion, there's an extra level there of, that God is calling the believers to to say, no, I cross, I cross that line into doing my full part. I remember one time after church, I was with just, it was just me and my wife and we were out eating and we were having a bite and talking. It's the end of a, a weekend, a busy weekend, and there was another couple that came in and they had been just dealing with some hardships, not financially, but just in life. They were hurting deeply. And uh, I looked over at them, I thought, I mean, I'm, I'm, gonna take, I'm, just, I'm gonna take care of their meal. It's just a little thing, right? But I felt for them that I said, okay, now I'm gonna actually go the next step and do something for them. So I took, uh, I called the waitress over, I called her and said, okay, can you bring me the bill for that table? and I just want to cover it. And so she did, and she brought the bill, and I paid for mine, paid for theirs as well. And, and my wife said, did you just, you just took care of their bill? I just, she said, she said, I love that you see that, and you say you want to 
care for other people. I could tell just the sparkle in her eye, the way she was looking at me. I felt like she's looking at me right now. Like I am, by doing this, I think she views me as hotter than she did just a minute ago. I can see that happening right now in her eyes. I thought to myself, this is a big deal to her. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna pay for the whole restaurant now. Let's just see where this leads, you know, but no. But what I say to you is that others see it. Others see something in you. They, they, they're able, they're, they're, we're laying the groundwork for more and more people to come to know Jesus when we're compassionate. It makes a difference when we cross that line. I've been challenging you to take two steps in this series, just two, one and or the other. And I put a little card on every seat. Some have responded, some have not. Top half of the card, I've said, hey, you're hearing what I'm saying. And God calls us to return a tenth back to him, to the storehouse, to the church. I said, we're going to do this. We'll take a tithe challenge. We'll do a 90-day tithe challenge. And the 90-day tithe challenge is simply this. Uh, Out of every income, you'll give a tenth from now for the next 90 days. And as you give that tenth, you will just test God and see, did, did you have your food taken care of? Did you... Did you um, have a roof over your head? Did you see that you were blessed or others or others were blessed around you and the work of the church because of your giving? And if you don't see that after 90 days, it's no problem. We'll refund you exactly what you gave to the work of the church after 90 days. We'll just give you a check back. And we do that because we know how God shows up. I was just talking to somebody just a little bit ago. God is showing up. Pastor Gary started this tithe challenge. Coming into the weekend, uh, there are... uh, about 150-something people who had checked that top little box area to say they were taking the tithe challenge over the last few weeks, and I celebrate that. that. That's incredible. There's a couple things with it. That means that there are hundreds in our church that have not done it. Because I said the statistics tell us only about 4% of our church tithes coming into this series. Hundreds of families that haven't decided yet to take that step. And of the 150 that have taken the step, only 40 or so have actually uh, made their first return, the first tenth. That means 100 people that said they were going to do it haven't actually done that. I know some people get paid only once a month, and so they're waiting to that. But I'm just saying, like, it's one thing to say for all of us. It's one thing to say that we care. It's another thing to actually act upon what we say. There's a QR code on the back to begin to set up your giving online. You can go to the connect table on your way out on the left-hand side of the hallway and say, I'm ready to set up my, my, my giving. They'll help you with it as well. If you're taking the tithe challenge, you can check that little box, take it down the end of the hall, drop it in the boxes on the right-hand side. There's a place for you to drop that as a commitment and saying, hey, I'm taking that step. One last chance for obedience in that area of your life. There's another part at the bottom of this. It's called the Greatest Gift Challenge. It's our Christmas offering. I've been inviting you uh, to be a part of that as well, a little above and beyond opportunity. And I said, hey, tell us your commitment level in the back. You don't have to do it right away, but over time, this week, next week, the week after, some of you have been doing that already. Uh, take care of that, will you? And, and just over the next many weeks, fulfill whatever your pledge is. Drop that in the box. We've had some do one. We've had many do both. And I praise God for that. And if you're taking that challenge, just again, just make your way down the right-hand side of the hallway there. Take this card with you on your way out. Drop that in that box. There's a QR code for there, again, on the back for your Christmas offering as well. 
or you can see the connect table, or of course, when the buckets pass, we have uh, the buckets there for you to drop any giving in in that time as well. Challenging you one final moment, and in this series, I've been showing you videos of people who figured this out, regular ordinary folks who figured this out, and another family I wanna show you is the Canfields, watch this video. My name's Bobby. My name is Osha. And we're the Canfields. When I was in college, I lived a couple minutes away, uh, yonder way, right there in those apartments, and I had to pass the church. You know, I saw the big NW, and uh, it was a mega church. Mega churches aren't for me. And then I got over my pride, and I came and actually checked it out, and I saw the community and the love. Back then, I was coming to New Walk. Uh, I thought I was doing enough just by coming to the services and maybe throwing a dollar here and there. When I met Osha, I was able to see she had a strong relationship and a strong past in a church. I was able to see a lot of the places where I was failing and falling, where she was doing very well, such as giving. I grew up, I grew up tithing and giving. Um, my, I am a PK, I'm a preacher's kid. My dad is over 70 years old. Our church was, my dad's church was so close at the time. Um, so, you know, it was like my church. And I came in, I met um, Pastor Darius, very nice. Um, I don't know, I just feel it was really, really weird because going to my dad's church my entire life, knowing that, you know, basically, you know, everyone there in and out and to come here and feel so comfortable, that was very, you know, foreign to me. Uh, we were married right outside there, <laughs> behind a cross. <laughs> I got to know more people here. Um, I love the gospel was being preached. You know, um, I don't feel comfortable here. Since I've been at Newark, I have seen lives changed. I've seen souls saved, and I've seen I've seen every dollar I ever spent invested in some better. I've seen my kids growing amped. I've seen my oldest boy grow into men's group. I've seen myself grow into men's group to serve teams. I, I was blessed to be able to go on Wild at Heart. I went up there, I, I thought I knew everything I needed to know, and you know, I was just squared away. I realized up there, I had a whole lot of faults and failures as a husband and a father. It pushed me to, to start taking charge more, to make my wife a bigger priority in my life, and to really put God first then my wife, then my kids, then myself, instead of making excuses on why I can put myself first. Um, for me, when I, um, before I went on Captivated, I'd already experienced um, times of like sadness or just not feeling complete in some way. And um, going on that mountain, <laughs> it was really hard. They pulled so much out of you. Um, I'm very grateful for it though, because there I definitely learned. Um, I had a lot of trauma that I had masked, you know, for a very long time. And there I was able to heal. And um, basically, I know God, I, I, was, I was brought back complete. You know, I definitely, you know, changed <laughs> me there, definitely. My wife pushed me to trust in God. And in that trusting in God, 
He blessed me and he gave me reasons over and over. I've seen our finances grow. I've seen our relationships grow. Coming here and, you know, um, given our tithes and offerings, we can also, you know, see that our kids are learning about, you know, God's word and things, you know, like uh, Bible stories and things like that, so. This church offers the 90-day challenge. And if you want a true opportunity to see what God can do when you give back just 10% of what he's already given you with no risks, just sign up for that 90-day challenge. Take the challenge. Thank the Canfields for their story. Pushing past all the potential obstacles and seeing the value of the work happening here in the church, the compassion to care about people who need to know about Jesus Christ. And it leads me, leads me to the last thing I wanted to give you in your notes is that when we decide to be compassionate with our finances, with any area of our life, it changes lives. It just does. If you look at all the encounters of Jesus where he stops in that moment of compassion, takes that step and says, I'm going to do something about it. If you look at every everyone's moments, it, it impacts people. And it's been that way for all the years here in our church. For the people that have been involved financially, you've seen the lost become found. You've seen the blind have sort of those scales spiritually come off and, and them be able to see. You've seen people who were hurting just deep on the inside from things in their life and just be radically rescued and transformed in your life. We've watched in this church as people who felt like they were the outcast because of choices that they had made in their life, that they could never be loved by God, they could never be loved by people. And they came to this church and they found that compassion, they found that goodness of Jesus Christ and their life was transformed. We've had kids hear the gospel, students on Wednesday nights hear the gospel because of the people who care financially. They say, you know what, it's one thing for me to say that I care, but it's another thing for me to actually act on what it is that I see around me. And this story about the Good Samaritan closes with Jesus rounding up this thought about who's our neighbor. In Luke 10, 36, it says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law, the expert of the law replied this, the one who had mercy on him Jesus told him, now go and do likewise. Jesus affirms, yeah, the third guy is the guy. And he says to us, he says to you and I as believers, now go and do likewise. Have compassion, a burning from the inside that says, I see it and now I'm going to do something about it. Paul says about Timothy, he says, here's the deal. There are a lot of people who talk, but there's this guy, Timothy. He's outside of himself. He cares about others. God has called us as believers to be the people who say, okay, I see it. Now I do something about it. I am not in this for me and all the things that I want and all the things that I desire. God, I am in this for you. And that I care about the things that you care about. And God, the things that you care about are the hurting, the broken, the lost, the purposeless, those people in our community. God, you care for them and you want them to have what we have. And so I step up and I take that responsibility with my time, my talent, and my treasure as we close out our time together.
I'm gonna have you stand to your feet. The band's gonna sing a final song. And I picked this song specifically because of the lyrics. And people know this song, many, many people that know this song, they love the lyrics because here's what the lyrics say. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. When you're singing that, do you, do you really believe that? Because he only asked for a minimal return of a tenth. Jesus paid, my sin has been forgiven. I've been washed. I've been made, as, though I'm white as snow, I have a relationship with the heavenly father. I have eternal life. What's the value of that? God says, return a tenth for the work of the kingdom of God. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Do you really believe that? We say we do. If you cross that line, it says, no, but I do by the gifts of my time, talent, and treasure. So let's worship together and I'll come back. I'll close our time together.
Jesus paid it all.